Bibles with me to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Last week I gave you a message on an attribute of God, God's blessing. We have a blessing God. When I looked at the calendar and saw it was uh, Independence Day, 4th of July, the question just came to me, will God bless America? We have a blessing God. Will He bless America? Let me twist it a little bit. The real question is that I want us to grapple with, should God bless America? We really don't know whether he will or not. He has. Should he bless America? What is our responsibility with all that's going on in America right now? And should God bless it? Is there something we can do to be responsible Americans and usher in that blessing on a greater level? You know, um, as an example, and you, we, could, we could spend time thinking of thousands of examples of you know, should really God bless us given this or that? Uh, I, I'm, I've almost quit watching the news. I used to, you know, I grew up watching the news. Uh, now I can just click on news sites and get through it a lot faster. That's what I typically do. But when I come home in the evening and the news is on, it's like sometimes I'll test it. You know, maybe I'll watch the news and I'll click on the TV and the news comes up and, and the first thing is murder. And I think, good grief, I don't want to hear about another murder. It's like the lead story. I think the news people today, you know, the local news, they wake up in the morning and they look for the crime report. Who got shot last night and who stole what? And that's going to be the news at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. And I'm thinking, I hate that stuff. God hates murder. God hates crime. Why does that have to be the lead story? And if, if, if murder is that rampant, would, should God bless America? When we, I, I, I get, I mean, you get that the destruction of life, especially life God has created, that's a big deal. I get that. I, I get that that's the news. I just get tired of it. I get tired of hearing about the destruction of life. I get tired of hearing about the crime. I, I want, as a nation, to someday, somehow, get beyond that. And, of course, you can go from that to, to everything, you know, that's going on in America. Should God bless America? Not only because we're destroying life all the time, uh, from babies in the womb to old people in their beds. You know, that's become an obsession, it seems. There's illegitimate births, there's suicides, there's divorce, there's promiscuity, there's lying, there's uh, stealing, there's profanity. Profanity's reached a level that I am just, I don't even know how to read anymore when I, I start reading an article and you get to a word and they just give you a letter. It's like in every article you start reading some F, some S, it's like, Am I supposed to read those vulgar words or am I supposed to just say the letter? And the profanity is tweeted all day long now in America. It didn't used to be that way. So should God bless America? When we start really thinking about all the things that are out there. If you, if you, were, 
if you were sovereign over this land, would you bless it? Would you want to encourage the continuing of all that we see? Uh, would you say, I want to bless those folks. Those folks are doing stuff I really like. You know, if you start looking at it that way, you say, ah, this, this is not good. Well, Psalm 2, I think, addresses this subject, and I want us to look at it, and I think it not only addresses the issues that we're facing, but it addresses the way forward. Let me read Psalm 2 for us. Hear God's word. Why are the nations in an uproar, and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear the fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord, he said to me. You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's look at uh, this psalm. The first uh, three or four verses kind of make it clear. The problem with the nations, the problem with our nation, is that we have now those who want to throw the fetters, verse 3, tear their fetters apart, cast away their cords from us. It's a problem of throwing stuff off. Because the nations are, it's just like they're in an uproar. They're, they're acting crazy. They're devising something vain, verse 1. Uh, the kings of the earth, they take counsel together. And after they think about what they're going to do, what they do is they throw the fetters off. They throw fetters or restraints. You know, you just stop and think, what are the restraints of God? What are the, the cords of God? They're, they're the laws of God, and the laws of God were meant to help us, to bless us, to restrain us, to, to hold us in to what's right and holy and good, to keep us there, and we want to throw those laws off, uh, like the laws for marriage. It's there to protect and bless the, this union. We want to throw that off and say, yeah, but I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. We want to throw it off. And so instead of learning to love the spouse that's difficult and protect the marriage, we, we throw it off. And now we want to, you know, change it in so many different ways in our land. But that, that's what he's talking about. We come together and we say the laws we used to have, which were the laws of God, we, we now want to throw off. We want to dispense with them, you know. The, the easy example is, is, is our education system. When I, this nation was founded, the Christian parents got together and said, you know, we need schools. We can't just always do it at home. And they started the one-room schoolhouses. And 
what, what should be the education. And a lot of the Christians were coming right out of Deuteronomy 6. Well, we've, we have a Bible. Let's use that as the textbook. And so let's teach our kids, as Deuteronomy 6 says, that we have a God who has led us to this land to establish this place. Let's, let's worship God together. Let's pray together. And all of that in our generation we've seen be thrown off, that we don't need the Bible in schools anymore. We've counseled together. We've sought it wisdoms that we don't need that and then we said we don't need prayer in school let people do that at home and that's okay for a while and then after a while people say you know i want the blessings that came from the laws of god i want the blessings that come from worship i want the blessings that come from prayer and if i can't get it in this place if this place this school is hostile towards those blessings and i'll have to go back home and I'll do homeschooling or I'll do private schooling so now we've got all these options spread out through the land and you can be in any one of them you can be in public school still and you can some people have no choice you can be in private schools and you can be in homeschools and the uh, non-christian world is I don't know if you've heard the ads recently of the public education saying homeschool your kids by all means we'll give you the curriculum free you're already paid for it you know so they're moving. There's even a homeschool movement in America right now among non-Christians saying the environment in our particular school is, is hostile to the blessings we want. And so we'll do it at home. In some places, like I say, you don't have a choice. What does that tell you? It's, it, it's like we want to just keep throwing stuff off that were, was established for blessing and now... We're missing the blessing. Would God want to continue blessing us? Um, think about church. 70% of Americans are not in church right now. 70%. You're the 30% that show up and go to church on the first day of the week. The other 70% of Americans aren't here. Oh, they're not seeking that. that. That is a casting off of the Sabbath day. Uh, Michael was talking about in prayer and, and in redemption and the gospel, how we rest in Christ. The Sabbath day, one day in seven, the first day of the week has been established for what we call Sabbath rest. What a beautiful blessing it is to start the first day of the week, say, God, this is the day where my new week begins and I start with you. I, I rest in the fact that I'm yours, I'm redeemed. Um, my significance is in you. It's not in the work I'm going to do this week. It's in you. And when you start stopping and considering that and resting in Christ and all the blessings he gives you, I mean, it changes your whole week. You throw off the Sabbath. You say, I don't want to be constrained by that law. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I don't want to be restrained. Well, you miss the blessing. Yes, it's a restraint. It's, it's like, I have to stop on Sunday to do this. It's a restraint, but it's a, such a wonderful blessing. Uh, our society is seeing all the laws as restraints uh, instead of seeing them as blessings. Uh, you, you think about uh, so many things that are, that, are, that are being thrown off, you know, the whole, the whole marriage thing. Think about church. Something is, churches are throwing off restraints of church. All through the scriptures, you go back all the way to the Old Testament, all the way through, the church has always been ruled and established with elders. Um, and 
how many churches do you know now that has no elders? We don't like accountability. We don't like being submissive to some authority. So we've cast rule by elders off. Um, and you see it over and over that when churches last for a while and split and all the kind of things, without submission to elders, they just won't last. Um, and we, that's a restraint we want to throw off. Restraints to our physical bodies. God has given us these bodies to um, worship Him with, to adore Him with, to be good stewards over. We're such an indulgent society. Don't we? we indulge our bodies with food, with drugs, with immorality, just what can we put in or own these bodies that are supposed to be the temples of God? We've become so, so obsessed with our own self-pleasure. Um, and our society's really confused what to do with their bodies right now because we, we're throwing off the restraints. And we don't think about God's authority and, and the stewardship that he's required of us. You know, as I started thinking about restraints, I thought I, had, I put a, a, a baby crib together this week. And I thought about all the kids that have been in our crib. Not one of them was ever hurt in the crib. What is the crib? It's a restraint. It's a bed with restraints. And we put the baby in the bed with these bars all the way around. And not one of them got their head hurt or an arm broke or a leg broke. They rest in peace with the restraints. We grow up and we want to kick out all the restraints. I said, we don't need that anymore. We're free. And not seeing that oftentimes the restraints, that's what gave us such peace and such blessing and such rest. And it's that way with God's word we we throw off the restraints. Okay, well, when you throw off the restraints of God's word, what does God do? Does he wring his hands? Does he get irritated? Does, verse 4 says, He sits in the heavens and he laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Interesting statement there. And that's what I think God is doing. He's making a statement. When we throw off the restraints, we cast aside all of his laws, that we're just going to do it our way. The first response from God is, <laughs> that's, that's funny. He sits in the heavens and he laughs. Then he looks at us and it looks so immature, so wrong. That it's, 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 it's so immature and it's so wrong. It's, there's just that humorous element to it. It's like, have you ever gotten to be an old person and you look at a young person and you say, that won't work. You know, it's just humorous. You, you look at a one-year-old, get a smartphone, and start, bah, 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 bah. And, and it's interesting what they do, and you just sit back and you laugh. It's humorous. They punch buttons, but they can't read anything yet. They don't know what's going to pop up. And it's funny, isn't it, until they take it when you're not looking, and they throw it in the pool. And when they throw it in the pool... What do you do? Your face quits laughing. And you get a scornful look. And you scream, no! And that's exactly what God does. Look, verse 5. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury. 
See, God, at first, he says, that is so wrong, so immature, it's funny that you think you can devise life without my well-thought-through laws for your protection and blessing. You think that's going to work, right? And then he says, you know, it's really rebellion, and it's, it's beyond just foolishness, because you, you know, you've counseled, you know what you're doing. Um, so God begins to get angry, and it's, you know, it's easy to scare children that way. You're laughing at them, then you turn around, and you show them that word no or whatever with your voice and that scorn, and it's terrifying. And that's what he means by it. And he terrifies them in his fury. End of verse 5. Verse 6. But as for me, I've installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. God's in control. And he's installed his king. His king is on the throne. And we're acting like there is no sovereign God over us. He says, that's, that's not true. God is on his throne. And then in verses 7 through 9, you, you see a switch in person. Verse, verse 5, it's God the Father speaks in his anger. Uh, he terrifies him in his uh, fury. Verse 6, he installs his king. Who's the king? That's Jesus. Well, verse 7, Jesus steps to the mic and starts speaking. And he says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you're my son, today I've begotten you. So the only begotten son of God says, yeah, what he said is true, verse 8. And he also said, ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possessions, and you shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. So you see God the Father speaking, say, I've installed Christ. And Christ says, yes, I am installed. I am his son. I'm on the throne, and I will come, and I will rule. So you have God the Father and God the Son you know, giving us a little dialogue there that Christ, his Father, they are angry, they are in charge. Let me give you another verse, uh, another passage. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Here you see Christ coming from his throne, and it's, um, it's a great picture of him coming sovereign over the nations. Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse 11. It says, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and he wages war. His eyes, eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. Remember Psalm 2, rod of iron. And he treads the winepress on the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, stop there. You just get this picture of, of Christ coming on his white horse and all of the heavenly host on white horses, and they come. He says, the reason we come to the nation is because I'm king. I'm the king of kings. I'm lord of lords. I'm in charge. 
and I'm coming to these people who disregard me. And he says, I'm the word of God. They have not been respecting the word of God. They've been throwing it off, casting it aside. And I'm coming now as the judge to judge with a rod of iron. He, he mentions in Psalm 2 a little more descriptive of that rod of iron, says, will shatter and break uh, them like earthenware. It reminded me when I was in um, Little League uh, baseball, you know, one of the things you love to do when you're a little leaguer, you get your first bat, ball and glove and all that, but you throw the, throw the ball up and try to hit it, you know, and uh, there was a field by our house that had a lot of, you know, little rocks and um, uh, dirt clogs and that kind of thing, so, you know, I'd go out there at times because you, you don't want to keep chasing your ball, so to find stuff you don't have to chase, you know, I'd throw up rocks and hit them, but it was really fun to throw up, you know, any kind of dirt clog that was left behind. You throw up the dirt clog, and you hit it, and what happens? You know, we, we said, you know, I, I blew it to smithereens. You know, it, it just goes into particles. And it was really cool when you could throw up one just right. It's like, pow, and it's just dust. It's like, yes. That's earthenware. That's clay. And that's the description. God says, when I come to earth, my people are like that. It's just Bam, and they're nothing. Do they not see that that kind of judgment is deserving of those who throw off my laws, who don't want my care and my restraints? That's the judge of all the earth. He comes, he says, with an iron rod, and just giving you the picture of what's going to hold up, iron or clay. Just the iron's going to win every time. And he's showing us his description of, of judgment that needs to come. So, our question is are we ready? Are we ready for Christ? As a nation, are we ready for Christ on his white horse to come? You know, it's, it should terrify, it should uh, scare, just as. Verse 5 uh, describes, well, there, there is a way out, and that begins in verse 10. He says, now, understanding the scenario, understanding the situation we're in, verse 10 gives us advice. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. So stop and think about it. He says, if this is true, this is the scenario. God is in charge. He's his sovereign. He is coming, and we're not ready. Stop and show some discernment here. All of you who are leaders, stop and consider, you know, what should you do as a leader in this nation? We should show some discernment. We should be those leading people to mercy. We need to be seeking the mercy of God. Because it's clear in the condition we're currently in, we are under his wrath. We need to show some discernment. We've been casting off the laws long enough we, need to, we have an opportunity before he comes, an opportunity for mercy. Let's wise up and, and show that. Um, we know what God's told us, so are we ready? Have, have we led people to mercy? Um, you know, start showing people, I need the mercy of God. I need to get back to God. I need to keep that Sabbath day. 
I need to be a good steward of the resources he's given me, meaning, number one, I need to give to him. He's blessed me. Am I giving him? Am I giving to him his 10%? Because that forces me to think through. As soon as you give the first portion to God, you are declaring, I am under his authority. To my king, my tribute, I bring. And so now I must live with the other 90% as a steward. It's, it's declaring that you're owned by Christ. So do, do we begin seeking his mercy by keeping his laws? But the first one says, I want to worship him first. I want to give to him first, most, best. I want to throw off profanity. i got to find ways to, to read without getting caught up in the profanity of our land. Uh, I've got to learn to speak with gracious, true words and not just adopt the other's uh, profanity that's so much around me. Um, I, I've, got to, I've got to worship God in a way that He desires, not the way I want, the way it's cool for me. Um, my imaginations run wild at times. But you see, when the judge comes in Revelation 19, he says, you don't even know my name. Because you imagine so many things about me instead of just worshiping me rightly. Uh, this, you've got the Sabbath day, the honor of parents. You know, we've got to come back and say, God, I'm going to show some discernment. I'm going to honor my father and my mother. I'm going to respect them. I'm not going to just run out from under them. I'm going to start respecting life and being more careful with life. I mean, we're, we're not even careful with life now because we've thrown that restraint off so long. When, we, when you drive down the road and somebody's jogging or riding a bike, you know, it, to me it just is scary how careless we are and we don't consider that life so valuable that we'll just stop if we have to until we can go away around without threatening a life on the side. It's, it's because we've thrown off the restraint of of the value of life so much, we, we, we don't consider so many things along those lines. There's, you just could go through all the commandments and, and you start thinking, you know, I, the reason that you need to do this, you know, I have people come to me and say, look, if, if, if God didn't want me to steal that and take that, he wouldn't have put it in front of me. Or if God didn't want me to have sex out of marriage, then why is everybody else doing it? If God really wanted my money, why, why doesn't he make it clear or plain? If God really wants my worship, why, you know, why can't I just do it at home? There's so many why, 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 why. We, in other words, you don't want to keep God's law, right? You just want to do your own thing. We want to throw it off God's way. We want to do it our way. That's not showing discernment. It's time to take the warning. O leaders, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. You know, perhaps there could be revival. That's what I've begun praying for. Perhaps there could be revival. And the revival needs to come, look at verse uh, 11 and 12. It comes in the church through, through worship, verse 11. So if you take the heed, you take the warning, what do we do? Verse 11, worship the Lord with reverence. Rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he may, that he not become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge. So our only hope is worship. 
The hope of America is worship. We have got to become a people who realize it is crucial that we worship the true God. It says, it says uh, King James, you say, kiss the son. This translation, do homage to the son, verse 12. The, the picture there is, it's, it's a, it was a Hebrew custom. It's still custom, I guess, maybe in England, uh, where you've got a king or queen on the throne, and you come up, you realize they're the sovereign, and you're under them. So when you come up to them, you bow down, and you kiss their feet. It's, it's, it's just the custom to say, you're in charge, you're the sovereign, I'm your servant, I'm under you. And says, that's the way we need to be before Christ. He's the one on the throne. Do we come, it's an illustration of our worship every Sunday, that we come together and say, Lord, we lift your name on high, we praise you, we give to you, we, we, we submit, we surrender, we bow down. I mean, there's all kind of words that we use like that in our, in our songs, in our behavior. We sit right now under his word, Lord, speak. Your word, your servant listens. That's what he's asking. Do we see how crucial that is? That, that our hope, the hope of America, is our, are that people will come and to pay homage to Christ. And who will do that but the church of Christ? America greatly needs you. It needs the church. The hope for America's blessing is in the church worshiping Christ. And that's, the, that's true for every nation. The church needs to be in every nation, and we need to be giving God worship, saying, Lord, you're sovereign. I'm your servant. Your command is my delight. I want to do it your way. That's, that's the response God's looking for. See the importance of the Sabbath day. See the importance of church. Um, as American... I see from this that it is crucial for our existence that the church worships God. It's crucial for our existence as a nation. Are our leaders hearing that? Do you not realize this nation will not thrive without the church in its midst worshiping the true God? As a nation, we were founded by churchmen. They founded this glorious nation. It is now being dismantled by those who care not for the law of God. The hope of going back and getting the blessing we've lo we're losing is through the church. And as I think through this, you know, uh, the illustration that comes to me is like, God, you could bless America through New Covenant Church. You could do it through any church, but why not ours? What if there's revival here? Because even in this wonderful assembly, many of us, we've got some of the restraints of God that we, we like to cast off and do our way. We're not nearly as holy or as pure, as righteous as we often sometimes think. We're in need of repentance. We're in need of revival. We're in need of a pure, sweet submission to God and His law. Will He find it here? Could we be that one righteous 
church that spares the land. And what I'm thinking about is you remember that story in the Old Testament, Genesis 18, I believe, where God says, I'm going to go to Abraham and I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah because he's got a nephew down there. And so God goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you're the father of the faith. I just want to tell you what I'm going to do before I do it. I'm going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham immediately thinks, Lot's down there. My, my nephew's down there. And, and, and Abraham says, God, I know I'm your servant, and I don't have a, really a say in how the world's run, and I, I'm not sovereign. Can I just ask one thing? Would the, the judge of all the earth, would the, that's you, would the judge of all the earth, would he wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah if there were righteous people there? Say, 50. He said, would you wipe it out? And God says, okay, if there's 50 righteous people there, I won't, I won't wipe it out. And it's like God answered that so quick. Abraham thinks, oh, my math might not have been too good. You know, let's rethink that. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? He gets down to 10 before he's ashamed of himself. God, how about 10? That probably includes Lot and his family. And God says, if, if there are ten righteous, I won't wipe it out. Well, you know he wiped it out. Because there were not ten righteous. Only three walked away as righteous. Will God wipe out America? If there's one sold-out, righteous, holy church. Would God bless America if New Covenant was righteous and holy? And when God looks at you and me, He says, there's a servant with a whole heart who loves me and keeps my commands doesn't throw off the restraints, sees the blessing that I give to them in every command. God help us. Let's pray. Father, we are people who are in need of being serious with our God. We were created by you, placed here by you, and often live in disregard of you have mercy forgive us cleanse our land by cleansing our hearts lord turn us from our sin turn us from our wandering turn us back to holiness and purity under christ our king and head and lord may the head of our church thrill us with his plans and his blessings Father, let us be a people that become more and more this, this righteous, holy flame that the world sees and begins to see, why are you so blessed? And they begin to see our blessing God. Father, it's not about us. We want the world to see Jesus. and We want them to see what life under Jesus really is like. Father, use us, revive us, 
Strengthen us for you and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.